DJ, PK, and Steve Cleveland, our our college basketball insider, joins us. He joins us on the Sprint special guest line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Steve, good morning. Good morning. Steve, I can't help but notice with the uh, entire state all sorts of fired up about how the Jazz have been playing, what might happen with some of the big games that they've got to play between now and the All-Star break. The colleges are kind of getting off the hook because this this isn't going all that well. That that was a bad weekend. Yeah, it, it was it was a tough weekend for uh, for Utah and BYU. I, I I kind of felt like it would be a really difficult task for BYU to go up to Gonzaga without Yoli and find a way to win that game. Uh, you know, obviously Utah State lost in in ways that we. You just those those are the kind of nightmares you have as a coach losing a game like that. And then of course Utah, Arizona State played better than I thought they would play, and we knew Arizona would be pretty good. So they've all got to kind of get back up and and, and get back after it. And uh, but I I don't know I, I for someone that was in college basketball for a lot of years, I've kind of fallen in love with the NBA over the last couple of years. And 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 certainly for those that are Jazz fans you got to be really excited about what's happening. But uh, the NBA is so much fun. I mean, there are great games every night. I mean, it doesn't matter who's playing, and uh, it's fun, fun to watch. How does Gonzaga every year just reload and have a slew of great big men, no matter what year it is, no matter what part of the world they come from, somehow they end up in Spokane, and he's got – Speaking of few, he's got like three guys that are just better than your guys that are up front. Yeah, you know, there, there, uh, that that program is so connected to to the world, and and a lot of it just stems from you know connections from assistant coaches and from Mark and the establishment of a program, and so you know success breeds success, and and you just but by making those connections. And being so successful with them and getting them to the next level, that's a huge piece in recruiting. I mean, a lot of people talk about it, yeah, you know, we're going to develop you and get you to the next level, but they actually do it year in and year out. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one, it's two, it's three guys going to the league. And they're, and they're not necessarily superstars in the league, but they're guys that uh, are superstars in college and find a way and find a niche in the NBA. But I think the, the, just the past success has just, basically established Gonzaga and Mark and, and his assistants. And he's got guys that have serious international connections. And they do find those guys. But I think over I – mean, it wasn't always like that, but the last five to ten years uh, – I mean, last year they lose four starters. I mean, they lose guys – in fact, they may have lost five starters because Tilly, Tilly was hurt. But at the end of the day, you lose four starters from a really good team and you think, okay, there's going to be a little bit of a rebuild. There's never a rebuild. It's kind of like reload, let's go, and uh, and they're well coached and got a great environment, and there you have it. And that's why that's why they dominated this league, uh, and probably will continue to do so uh, until Mark leaves. You know, bring a new coach in, maybe with not quite the same connections, and uh, it, it could change. But I don't see that happening in the foreseeable future. So what you say about Gonzaga, I hear that, and then I think about the Utes, and I think, well, they had a Sweet 16 team, and then Larry Kristoviak had a second-round NCAA team. And, okay, they did need a little bit of time to rebuild, 
But they've missed the tournament three years in a row. It looks like they're going to miss it four years in a row. They are dead last in the Pac-12. And when they beat Kentucky, and PK will tell you this, I'm all sorts of excited, like, okay, they got something. Maybe they don't have everything. There's a little bit of a one-off to it. But there's no way I thought they were going to lose five of their next six. And I know some of those games were really hard because they're good teams. But ASU's not a really good team. And ASU thumped them. What is going – how do they get on track there? What is going on? You know, I, I think, number one, their margin for error is really slim here, okay? They, they've got five or six – I mean, they're playing really six or seven guys. And if two or three of those players don't play well – I mean, Jimmy Allen's been pretty consistent, but everybody else has kind of been up and down where they'll have big games. And there isn't the consistency from the – I mean, they just don't have the depth that – with the experience, the experience and the talent – in terms of the depth of that team, they're so young and so inexperienced. And you tend, as a coach, you go with the six. By this time of the year, you're going with the six or seven guys that have kind of made baskets and you can trust and, and know that uh, and these are the guys who we're going to go with. And they've just been inconsistent. And, and, and being on the road, I don't care where you are on the road in America, it's difficult. And, I, yeah, that Kentucky game was kind of a tease and – uh, just some of the wins. I mean, beating BYU at home. I mean, there, there's reason for optimism. And then you you go there and you drop three. And and, and Colorado is good. And Arizona is good. We know that they're not. They're, they weren't going to beat those people on the road no matter what. But you're right. ASU is a game you feel like that's a winnable game. And so you've got to look at this week and say to yourself, for the, for Utah and whether this program is going to kind of get back rolling and continue to get better. The Washington and Washington State. Washington's two and four. Uh, Utah State's three and three. Washington was picked early; they'd be pretty good. But I think it's imperative this weekend that Utah find a way to beat both of these teams, and then then it, it gives them a little more confidence and get back into there where maybe they can win a game on the road. Uh, but right now, uh, the, the, it is a situation where confidence is is probably real difficult when you got so many freshmen. Uh, where you're really having to work off the court with these young men and keeping them positive. Uh, I, I do believe there's a core group of guys here and a core group of guys coming in next year that the, the things will turn. But this weekend is a big weekend for Utah. I mean, they've they got to be hungry and mad and upset and just focused and uh, find a way to kind of turn this thing around. And, you know, all of a sudden you're 12 and 7 and 3 and 4 and you feel a little bit better about yourself and you sleep better. <laughs> Everything's better. So uh, they're going to be hungry. I, I mean, they've got a chance to win both these games at home, and, and they need to. So when you look at the Jazz, the thing that really jumps out at me is the composition of the roster. And the reason why I bring this up is because they announced over the weekend that Royce O'Neal has been signed to an extension. And Royce was a guy who goes to the University of Denver then I think his grandfather was ill and he transfers down to Baylor near his home and then he goes overseas and then he tries to go in the G League and we know his story right and you look at Joe Ingles who was out there for years and kept getting cut and now he's playing at a I I made this statement that if you look at Gobert and Mitchell Two guys, to a degree, were overlooked themselves. Uh, they likely would be on the all-star team. But then you look at, so the next, if they had a second group of all-stars, which they don't, but Engels and Bogdanovich would be on. And even Bogdanovich was a second-round pick. So my point for you, you got all these guys, and none of them 
are in the top two or three, and none of them were projected to be superstars and all this stuff. So what's going on that this team, this organization, has been able to pluck a couple of guys, eh, still first-round picks in Gobert and Mitchell, but not extremely high. And then you got two guys who were basically undrafted in Bogdanovich. And what's going on with this organization that they can find these guys and develop them to this level? You know, I, I mean, I think it starts at the top. Um, it starts with the and a unique understanding of, you know, how you put guys together that where you develop that kind of chemistry. You know, everybody always always talks about, you know, team chemistry and what is that. And, well, you know, it's kind of the byproduct of a really good culture. And, and one of the things that's happened, that entire organization has obviously done their due diligence in terms of understanding and knowing what their program has and what they need and what fits and what piece fits here and what piece fits there. And I, I mean, it's hard not to talk about team chemistry when you talk about these guys. Now, team chemistry doesn't make baskets, but the, everybody in this league is really good. I mean, sometimes we look and we think, we, well, you know, they're going, they're going to play this team or they're going to play that team and they're struggling. And they, I mean, they, they all got eight or nine guys that play professionally and, and certainly are, are capable of, you know, winning a game on any given night. The thing I love about what they've done over time is, is that they have put a group together and surrounded. I mean, Don, you're right. Donovan Mitchell uh, was a pretty special college player, but nobody thought or saw him coming out and having the kind of impact that he had. But the guys that you know, like the Angles, the Bogdanoviches, the Jordan Clarksons, uh, who, who were not big-time guys coming out of college, they they've bought in. They've got them to buy in, and 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 the the chemistry is so good that the sum of the parts is better than the end. And I, don't get me wrong, they got they got really good players. I mean, go, when you're Gobert and Mitchell are all stars, that means they're pretty special. They are special talents, but they're 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 not the you know the top the top two or three elite guys. You know, it's, it's not LeBron. It's not Doug. You know, it's 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 good players, and they just found a way. To play it again. You got to give the coaching staff. You know, you got to give upper management everybody credit for this because they, everybody's kind of bought in. And it's a selfish game. You know, I you probably saw this thing the other day with with JJ Redick talking about you know social media and how guys are, are, are in the locker room and doing things. And you know what? I'm, I'm not saying that the but the Jazz aren't the kind of group that's coming in at halftime picking their phones up and trying to figure out how many likes they got. I mean, they have a mature group. And, and they're all in, and there's just a culture there that I think has played a huge part in this. Uh, besides some, sometimes you got to get a little bit lucky, too, you know, with a guy. And uh, I, I didn't, uh, you know, just what a great move getting Jordan Clarkson. I mean, my goodness gracious, they may have lost three or four other games if he's not playing because he's, he's been a huge part, averaging 15 or 16 a game. And, and that the offseason trade for Bogdanovich, who is going off pretty much every night. So it, it is something that's really special to, to watch and see and be a part of. Uh, but those are some of my thoughts. But I, I just believe that talent is never enough by itself to be elite. It just isn't. And they have uh, a culture that has developed a team chemistry that's second to none in the league. So at minimum, they're going to split these big games. You've got about eight of them here before the uh, All-Star break. And at minimum, they'll split those, and maybe they'll do a little better than that? I, I would agree. I mean, I'm looking, I'm looking at, at 
I mean, they got a tough game tonight. I and mean, then luckily they're playing, a, you know, the, the Pacers are playing a back-to-back. But uh, Indiana, I mean, you you got to give Coach McMillan a whole lot of credit. I mean, there's three or four people out there that could be considered maybe a coach of the year. And you make a case for a number of them. But uh, what he's done and getting these guys together and doing it without Oladipo, who, you know, I don't know that he's going to come back and be the best player anymore. They've got a lot of guys playing well. But, uh, you know, you think you talk about a big man that was a, a good college player in Sabonis, and he's become a better pro. And, uh, and, and just, you know, every, every night somebody has a big night. And there's a toughness about them. So I, I think the Jazz went at home tonight, especially after, I mean, Indy had a big win over Denver last night. But do they have enough left in the tank to kind of finish it off? But really, they've got to go to the Nuggets. They, you know, they've got to go to the Rockets. Uh, they they got the Mavs at home. Uh, you know, those are all games. If you don't come and, and, and play well, you get beat. Uh, but you're right. They got five at home, five on the road. You, you hope that they could go seven and ten, eight and ten. And if they do, by that time, uh, you know, they could very well be in second place. Right now, you know, them and Denver are both 29 and 13. So. Uh, the Jazz have been at nine and one and ten and zero here for two or three weeks, so that's a good thing. But uh, the, the, the guys ahead of them are awfully good as well. And if the Clippers stay healthy and can actually play the guys that are on their roster, uh, it'll probably be hard to get past the Clippers and the Lakers. But right now, Utah's right there, so you never know. Injuries play a big role right now. Guys are getting rested, uh, but they've had a schedule—a really, really good schedule. Utah the last two and a half, three weeks. And uh, I don't see things changing. So because you were so heavily involved in college basketball and then you served a mission for three years, you know, we can see where you didn't have the opportunity to follow the NBA. And now you've got more free time and you're following it and you're enjoying it big time. And one of the things that I think you've got to be amazed on, and I want to get your thought is watching LeBron James at 35 years of age still do what he does. It's an absolute marvel in my mind because you look at some of the great players that are of our generation. Magic wasn't playing. You know, Jordan, when he won his last title, people think he was an old man. He was 34 years old. He was only 34 years old. And then he sat out for, a, what, two or three years, and he came back. Yeah. And Larry Bird, I, I don't even think he was – he was hardly even walking at that age, right? And so then you look <laughs> yeah, at what exactly. LeBron is doing, and it's just absolutely amazing. And I know you are a basketball purist. you just got you got to love watching him play ball. I, I do. You know, you know I, and I know there's a lot of LeBron haters and, and, and coaches – you know, especially when you're coaching this game in college or at whatever level, you, you, you kind of focus on your team. But from a, from afar, I, I have always loved LeBron. I, I mean, I loved LeBron when, when Cleveland. That was one of the happiest moments. I mean, I, I'm not. A, I've never been a Cleveland Cavaliers fan, but but at the end of the day, to watch what he did there, and, but I, I completely agree with you. And the thing that's just been amazing to me is how he can transform his game and put himself in a situation where he's a primary scorer or where now he's, he's passing the ball and he's playing the point. Uh, and he's just been so durable. And, and there's a lot of reasons people don't like people. But for me, I mean, he's the essence of this league. Uh, and, and to see what he's doing there with the Lakers, and obviously when Anthony Davis is there, they've got, they've got a good team. But you know, this is a team is just kind of put together. I mean, you talk about the years of chemistry, the years of building a culture, 
I mean, the Lakers haven't had a culture in, in 10 years. I mean, it, it has been non-existent. And LeBron comes in there, and, and I think you're going to give credit to Coach Vogel. I mean, I mean you're like, hey, who can't coach LeBron and Anthony Davis? But he must be pushing the right buttons and doing the right things, understanding individuals and what their needs are and keeping them together. Because even though they have – I mean, for him, for Coach Vogel to keep that group together as they've done – uh, in, in his unique coaching style, I mean, it is pretty incredible because that was a really volatile, volatile place. And, I mean, from the GM down. And LeBron has just been the steadying force there. And, uh, you know, whether it's defensively or offensively, uh, he, it's the best I've ever seen him with his teammates. And uh, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, it, it's just a, he's a phenom, and that, unlike anybody that we'll probably ever see again. And, and the thing is, is this, this game, it, it wears and tears on you. That's the incredible thing. At 35 years of age, to be able to do that and do it at that kind of level, he's taking care of his body. I mean, he's really taking care of his body and done the little things off the court. And, you know, it's hard for me because I'm really close to Paul George. And, but I have been a Laker fan my whole life. And to see LeBron go there, having grown up in Southern California uh, and being a Dodger and a Laker fan, uh, it's hard for me still not to pull for him. Uh, and so I have to deal with that when they play the Clippers. But uh, I love what LeBron's doing. And uh, he's got a heart, man. He has got a big heart. And sometimes he says some dumb things and does some things through social media that are a little quirky and crazy. I don't even know why he deals with any of that. But uh, and there's nobody on the planet better than him. I mean, I, there, there's guys maybe they're a little bit better offensively, defensively, but in terms of how he impacts the game, nobody's better than he is. Steve, as always, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you again next week. Thanks, guys. Have a good week. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.